I want a great home loan.com. It's more than good rates. It's more than having favorable terms, though. They do work proactively to get you best possible, but it's the process itself. And that may not seem like the biggest deal, but if you've ever gone through a home loan process, you know that it can be very stressful. Uh, it can be daunting. And, you know, if it's not the sort of thing that you're accustomed to doing, some people buy and sell homes and, you know, it's, it becomes uh, old hat for them. But not everyone is that way. It's a big decision. And it can be very stressful. And here you're, you know, a Friday afternoon and all of a sudden you realize that your approval got flagged because, you know, you sold for cash some car that you've had sitting in the driveway forever as a fixer upper and you know you sold it for 2300 bucks and you put that cash in your checking account thinking well how could that hurt anything but it does and you didn't think about it uh oh what do i do and it's friday afternoon um well with the character team 7 days a week until 9 o'clock at night you can get a hold of them and if for whatever reason they're helping someone else or you know at dinner, whatever it may be, they'll get back with you. It's not something that you have to wait until our regular business. You've done that before you call. Thanks for calling so-and-so. Our regular business hours are Monday through Friday from 9 to 5 Eastern Time. None of that crap. I want a great loan.com because you do. Our Great Escape is open. 2024 Great Escape, Punta Cana, Dominican Republic, the TRS Turquesa. Resort, all-inclusive, junior suites. We've got a couple of options. There's poolside, and then there's actual swim-up. The difference between the two is poolside is, you, you know, you're within, you can see the pool, you're within walking distance. Swim-up is the pool actually comes up to your back patio. People have different feelings about that. We like, my wife and I, the swim-up. We like just having it right there. Oh, you open up your back patio and then it's it's just, it's there. But some people don't like the idea of people swimming right by their back door. Are you that way? Yes. Who, uh, yeah, you're that, that way. That's why I got the pool side. Well, you know what's odd is in my mind, I, I intellectually, I have that same, when I think about it on paper, like, yeah, that does seem awkward. But, but I don't know. It just never really bothered me for whatever reason, I guess. I also see the great escapes, believe it or not, as work trips. And so we have to wake I, up relatively true. early yeah, and that's still. True. Right. So I'm like, I go to bed at like 7 yep. and people are partying and I just don't have time for that. Yeah, that that is that's When I say true. partying, they're typically not very loud, but, you know. Right. And, and that is the case because we do the show. And, and so although a lot of the folks who go along, because we do the show three days live, we, you know, the broadcast, and and uh, it's usually the middle of the trip three days in a row that we do it. And uh, a lot of listeners come and watch the show, but we've got to prep for it and mm-hmm. just be, you know, all that stuff. So uh, we're not out till 2, 3 in the morning um, having the same good time as everyone else. So yeah, I can understand it, but, but I do. Though. Yeah. We like, we pay for the extra upgrade for the pool. Cause it does, there is an additional cost to it. But that being said, uh, you know, the, the, the pool side, uh, ju- these are junior suites with Butler service. 
This is all inclusive, covers all the food, all the alcohol, the room service, and the flight. Sixteen fifty a person. It's six nights. I mean, it's just such an incredible deal. And you get to go with a. You don't have to plan anything. It's all taken care of. Um, it, it's it's just a great time. It will sell out. It always does. It isn't so much that the resort sells out of Junior Suites, but we have a chartered flight that goes directly there, and there are only so many seats on the plane. So that's why. Uh, there is that limitation there. If you are one of our listeners, incidentally, who is not in this area, we fly the chartered flights out of St. Louis, but I know we have listeners all over the, the country and even some outside the country. But if you happen to be one that's in somewhere, you know, Florida or Michigan or Washington State or, you know, somewhere Texas uh, and you would love to go on the trip, go ahead and reach out to to Cam. She's the one who is um, uh, putting all of this together for us and she will arrange for you to get there. Um, so don't think, Oh, well, I have to fly out of St. Louis in order to join everyone on the, on the great escape. She, she can make a range. She's done it in the past. Um, you know, I know that, uh, the very first trip we ever did, my wife's best friend, uh, who had gotten married sometime before that she and, and her then then husband they're, they're divorced now but her <laughs> then husband uh, that that was their honeymoon and they uh, cam arranged for them to fly out of Florida so that's nice yeah well my best friend she lives in Oklahoma and she's going well, okay is she gonna come fly though with, yeah she yeah. is but still I mean right yeah so anyway yeah. yeah all that can be arranged cam's awesome to work with we have all our contact info and forms uh if you want to go ahead and get started fill those out at ksgf.com it's a great time it's just so much fun and it's going to be in april i should mention april 13th through the 19th uh all right let's uh let's get a news update and then i do want to just make a couple more comments before we get into the speaker conversation um which will be not too drawn out and um, what's going on there. There's expected to be another vote this morning. Jim Jordan didn't get the votes that he needed yesterday. Uh, but someone had on the American Transmissions talk and text line inquired about uh, the FBI launching a hate crime awareness effort in Springfield. And they're going to be um, buying up billboards and city buses, encouraging you to report on one another. Because nothing says freedom and liberty like the federal government buying ad space, telling you to report on your friends and family, mem- family members within the community. Good morning, everyone. From Color 10 Studios, I'm Angela Luna. Three Springfield men were sentenced to federal prison for a conspiracy to distribute over 80 pounds of fentanyl. To put that into perspective, that's just two milligrams can be lethal, which is about 15 grains of table salt. Daryl Turner and Elmer Freeman pled guilty to planning to distribute, while Robert Huddleston pled guilty to aiding and abetting. Turner has been sentenced 23 years and Freeman 18 years. Huddleston will also spend five years behind bars. In other news, the Down Syndrome Group of the Ozarks has opened their new store in Springfield called Upside Down Mercantile. The store features products made by people with Down syndrome and their families. The Upside Down name is an attempt to flip the stigma that surrounds those with Down syndrome. The store will feature products from coffee to jewelry to pet treats. From Color 10 Studios, I'm Angela Luna. First alert forecast sponsored by Navant, employee benefits that work. Sunny 74 for a high today, slight chance of rain tonight, 47 tomorrow, sunshine 68. We had uh, Dinesh D'Souza on last week talking about his upcoming film, Police State. And uh, there there will be 
two showings in Springfield. I imagine it's sold out. It's at the AMC, though you don't buy the tickets at the AMC. You buy it at the website. I think it's policestatemovie.net. There is also going to be a streaming version that you can watch should you not be able to get into the the showings here in Springfield. And in one of the remarks that he made when he was talking about the film is that his assertion, by definition, that we aren't actually in a police state, but we're on the way there, saying that if we were in a police state, he would not be able to release the movie, for example. And I think some of it is a it's a matter of, I guess, definitions. To me, you can still live in a police state and be allowed to release a film like that if you live in a society in which the government, if they want to stop you, they can't. The only reason that you are allowed to show it is because they're letting you. And I do believe we're at that point now in the, in this country. I mean, if we are at the point where a judge and a prosecutor from the Biden administration can dictate what his political opposition can say on the campaign trail, it's very, very difficult to argue that we're not in an authoritarian regime situation here with the police state. And it it's chilling. If we had 20 years ago been told that not as a warning, but just a, oh, here's a fun little story, and you know, it's a KY3 story, FBI launches hate crime awareness effort in Springfield. The FBI launched a nationwide effort to bring awareness to hate crimes. Some of those campaigns will happen in Springfield. You'll see billboards and city buses and bus stops around the city encouraging you to report hate crimes. The FBI says it, this, it, this is a top priority. Now understand. We are living in a world in which there is a call for global jihad. That a massive Iran-backed and, and coordinated attack on the country of Israel with calls to Muslims all over the world to commit jihad. And a border that is wide open. We are a country that has seen a terrorist attack. We have experienced a terrorist attack in the past. These are the conditions that we live in today, yet we're told a top priority is to make sure that you report what the FBI deems to be a hate crime to them on your neighbors and friends. It is very hard to argue we do not live in a police state when this sort of thing is considered to be perfectly reasonable. Much of the problem here is how the FBI defines hate crimes. The term hate crime in this country is completely and totally politicized at this point. I think we can all agree it is virtually impossible if you are in certain categories to be the victim of a hate crime. And on the flip side, 
I think most of us agree that if you are in certain other categories, it doesn't matter whether or not it is motivated by hate, whatever, anything that is even considered mildly offensive if you're in a certain category, that is a hate crime. There was a, a story uh, in the last couple of days about, you may remember there was a, a church that's predominantly black, or maybe, I don't know what the breakdown is, maybe it's all the parishioners are, are black, and someone spray-painted a swastika on the sign. And of course, all sorts of news coverage, all sorts of hand-wringing. Now, this wasn't a synagogue. You know, generally that is if it, you are wanting to promote hate and if you if it's the use of a swastika, it is aimed at Jewish people. That's not what this was. Now, what I have found and what we've seen in this very community are instances in which there's been something like that that has been spray painted or you know, illustrated in some degree, and then everyone just assumes it's a hate crime, and it turns out to be kids goofing around. Now, of course, that notion when it came to the swastika spray painted on the church was not ever entertained. No, no, no. We have to jump to worst-case scenario and get everyone hysterical. Well, evidently... Because of just the nature of it, that particular, and this was almost a year ago, I think, with the church, it did not fall within what is defined as a hate crime. It had something to do with the level of vandalism or something. It just legally, it, evidently, it didn't qualify. They, there's like a check. Did it do this, 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 this? It did none of those things. And so it was not listed in the, quote, hate crime database. Somebody apparently saw that that was the case. And so you get a hold of the media and they do a story on it. Now, what is what, what happens with local law enforcement? Do they say, well, it just doesn't qualify. I mean, the law is the law. No, they, they acknowledge that, well, it didn't really qualify, but you know what? We're just going to go ahead. We probably should have labeled it a hate crime anyway. Because it's all politicized. It has nothing to do with equality. It has nothing to do with uh, everything is equal under the law. It has nothing to do with even the truth of the motivation of it whatsoever. It doesn't make any difference. Hate is an emotion. So just by, if and, and that's a whole other discussion about criminalizing emotion, but aside from that, let's just say, okay, fine. Anyone who commits a crime that is motivated by hate, that's deemed a hate crime. They never caught the person that did this particular act of vandalism that I'm talking about here. So there is no way of knowing what the motivation was. So we have no clue whether it was somebody just goofing around, kids trying to get attention. No idea. But does that make any difference? Nope, label it a hate crime. So when we live in a red state and you have the FBI 
the same FBI that falsified records and documents in order to lie and mislead a FISA court so they could spy on a presidential campaign that is buying up billboards and city buses telling you to report on your friends and family and neighbors if you see a hate crime, but hate crime is just whatever they say it is. That's not a just society. It's not a free society. It's not an honest society. It's not a moral society. It is a police state. And Sarah Myers. Thank you. Well, if you own rental properties and you have a list of repairs that need to be addressed, call Beatles Property Maintenance. Now, they can make your rental home move-in ready for the next tenants, and they can help you out from drywall to plumbing to even installing appliances. So they really do it all. And, of course, if you have an unexpected home repair pop-up in your own personal home, the Beatles Property Maintenance can help you with that as well. Now, I've been telling you about Beatles Property Maintenance for many years now, and I keep recommending them because simply they do just awesome work and they're good folks just right here in the Ozarks. So if you do have a home repair that pops up and you are looking for just a great repair company, highly recommend Bruce and the Beatles property maintenance team. Beatles is spelled B-E-A-D-L-E-S and you can find all of their contact information under the Sarah's endorsements tab at ksgf.com. Friday at 10 a.m., ksgf.com, local for less. Suntan City, $50 gift certificate for only $25. Also, while you are thinking about ksgf.com, because I know you are, because I'm talking about it, uh, you can get registered for my private screening of the movie The Burbs. It's one of my favorite movies. Alamo Draft House. We've got a theater for Saturday, November 4th, 1 p.m. And they're like, you can show whatever movie you want to. And I was like, The Burbs. I've never seen it in the theater. As a kid, I watched it over and over and over and over and over again. I love that movie. It's just such a great film. And I said, what about that? And they're like, sure, no problem at all. So if you want to win a pair of passes to see that, they're not for sale. It's only by winning. Uh, then get signed up for that at ksgf.com. I think this week is the last week in order to get registered for that. There, Yesterday, there was the vote, Jim Jordan, Speaker of the House, and he did not get enough votes. There is slated to be another vote, I believe, sometime this morning. There are reports that Steve Scalise is the one undermining the speakership bid and that he is actively doing so ahead of the second ballot. Steve Scalise, of course, also wanted the speakership position. He and Jim Jordan, behind closed doors with Republicans, made their pitch, and then the Republican members of the House voted, all right, which of these two do we want to be speaker? And Scalise got a majority of Republican votes. Scalise never, well, I want to be careful with the terms I use here. Scalise believed that, at least with the first round of votes, that he, w- that he recognized that there were some Republicans that were not going to vote for him instead of doing what Jim Jordan has done and said, we're going to vote anyway and see what happens. Scalise dropped out, said, well, I'm, 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 not gonna, I'm just not even going to do it. So that left Jim Jordan. House Majority Leader Scalise, according to 
a number of outlets, including Breitbart, is attempting to undermine Jim Jordan's bid for the speakership gavel after voting for him on the first ballot. Sources familiar with the matter have confirmed to Breitbart News. CNN's Annie Grayer noted on Twitter that the majority leader would not commit to helping Jordan secure the 17 outstanding votes needed for the job. This is despite Jordan requesting his aid, as the House has not had a speaker since now former Speaker Kevin McCarthy was removed on October 3rd. Sources on Capitol Hill have confirmed Grayer's reporting also to Breitbart News. As she puts it, sources say Scalise, who failed in his bid for the gavel, is, quote, not being a team player. Breitbart News Washington Bureau Chief Matthew Boyle has further reported that Scalise, quote, who failed in his own speakership bid last week, is the leader of the subversion against the Republican conference and speaker-designee Jim Jordan, citing other sources familiar with the matter. Grayer also reported that Jordan had asked Scalise to nominate him on the House floor ahead of the first ballot, but Scalise refused. Uh, obviously, the reason Jim Jordan would want that is it would give encouragement to or even permission to Scalise supporters to to support Jim Jordan. It, it would give them back with their constituents, cover if constituents had some problem with Jim Jordan, saying, hey, well, Scalise, you know, that's who he, he nominated himself, and, and Scalise refused to do so. You know, it's a show of solidarity. There are, so there's a couple of different ways to look at this. And incidentally, there, there are also reports that during all of this, when Scalise was going to be up for the vote, but dropped out before the vote took place, that Jim Jordan was more than willing, he was like, going to give like a nominating speech or something, he was like all in, even though he was the one who was at one point challenging Scalise, he was willing to do anything and everything that was necessary, according to what people are saying, in order to help Scalise get the votes necessary, but Scalise dropped out. And now Scalise, in response, is not doing the same, but instead making it difficult for Jordan to get the votes. Some of the individuals who have voted against or you know did not support Jordan in their vote, they voted for a number of people. Some voted for McCarthy. Some voted for you know other individuals that didn't have a, a chance. You know, some of these individuals could be planning on voting for Jordan, but they wanted the first vote to go to someone else, essentially to voice their disappointment in the way things have gone to let it be known that while they eventually are going to do what they say is necessary in order to get things back on track, uh, ultimately they weren't real happy about Jordan being the person. So it's a way of signaling that they aren't fully supportive of Jordan, but when it really came down to it, they did what was needed in order to move things along. But there are some here that frankly... according to their own explanations, aren't necessarily doing this because they think Jordan will be a bad speaker. They're just mad. 
And this is pretty interesting. I want to just take a moment after we get a traffic update and a break here to juxtapose the behavior of Matt Gates and a handful of Republicans that led to the ouster of McCarthy versus you know, Ken Buck and, and a handful, uh, though a larger handful, of Republicans that are now essentially doing the same thing, but for different reasons that they demonized Matt Gates for doing. That coming up next. Garage experts, Alan, noting everyone from sales to installers, very professional, did an excellent job transforming my garage. Jan, an excellent job done by the epoxy floor experts. Wonderful way to cover rough cement on the patio and front porch entrance. We are very, very happy with the outcome. Certainly recommend it to anyone. And, uh, you know, so many of these reviews, and you get a lot of pictures. People posted their pictures. You can see them at... Um, garage experts it would just go to nick's endorsements and I, I wish there were some more commercial because there's so many different applications for businesses as well but it isn't just the epoxy flooring itself it's that process and it is the fact that these this is what they do this is not one of 80 things that they do there are some companies that do all sorts of different things and you know maybe once a month they end up doing some flooring for a garage garage experts they do it every day that's what you want. They're a great people, great company, garage experts. Under Nick's endorsements, ksgf.com. First alert forecast from Color 10, Fox 49, meteorologist Tom Schmidt. Sunny 74 today. Slight chance of rain tonight, 47 for low. Sunny 68 tomorrow. The fight for the speakership continues. We had Congressman Burleson on yesterday, and his assessment was... If Jordan does not get this, then it is going to be somebody that the Democrats pick. And the Democrats are already signaling that's exactly what's going to happen. I think it is of value to assess the difference and the similarities between the group of Republicans that will say was led by Matt Gates. I mean, well, he's the one who called the chair that led to the vote of McCarthy in which there were, I think, eight Republicans that did not support him, which meant he was ousted. Now, as you recall, there was a great deal, particularly from the establishment, Republican establishment, criticism a little bit of hysteria, which always grates on me. I, I just get very annoyed by unnecessary hysteria, taking a situation that is serious, but blowing it out of like, okay, settle down here, just settle down. I heard Nancy Pelosi say that if people who vote for Jim Jordan are going to have to explain it one day to their grandchildren, I shut up, you nasty booze-soaked old hag. I mean, the the over-the-board hysterics, it's just exhausting. And there was a degree of this from Republican establishment regarding Matt Gates and crew, that uh, the institution was falling. The, you know, all the, okay, all right, yes, this is problematic. It is a disruptor, but let's not pretend like the country is falling to its knees because there is going to be a moment in time where we don't have a speaker. This has happened, by the way, before. 
the Matt Gates crew, agree with them or not, could list reasons, and they did, why it was that they did not support McCarthy. In fact, we played some of the audio at the time, and Matt Gates is very specific, noting budget issues, promises that McCarthy said, if I'm elected speaker, these are the things I'm going to do, and noting that these things are not being done. He didn't do them. You talked about his concerns that Biden evidently, he spilled the beans saying that McCarthy and him made a backroom deal of funding for Ukraine. If Biden did this, sort of a quid pro quo, and nothing was really ever said. Matt Gates, he was you know, during the debate on McCarthy, listing that as a, an area of concern. What What is this deal he's talking about? But again, whether you agreed with him or not, he gave specific reasons. These are the reasons why. And they were reasons that were in the context of promises he made as speaker. So it was they were job performance issues. You look at that versus now. So we now here we get again we have a a handful of Republicans that are causing a disruption by not joining with everyone else in order to support Jim Jordan. So Logistically, they're essentially doing the exact same thing that Matt Gates and crew did. What I've noticed in terms of a difference is they are not listing specific reasons that, that they are not supporting Jim Jordan other than some of them are acknowledging they just don't like they don't want to give a victory to Matt Gates. They don't want to, quote, reward the Republicans who caused this problem in the first place. Now, to me, we're talking about two completely different motivating factors. Those who voted to oust McCarthy, causing this disruption, explained the motivating factors that were related to job performance. The Republican disruptors now who are preventing Jim Jordan from you know, getting the solid vote and, and becoming Speaker of the House are not listing out in debates the reasons that Jim Jordan would be a bad speaker. They are expressly saying they, they, they essentially want to punish the Republicans who have caused this in the first place. They don't want to reward them. Now, I don't know about you, but to me, one of those approaches, one of the one of the those two approaches, the motivation at least seems legit, though you may not agree with the way that they went about it, but at least they're, you know, it's job performance, as opposed to because I'm mad and I don't want them to have a victory. You add into it the timing, of course, of what is happening in Israel and the fact that, I mean, we got a ship that's essentially being steered only by Biden. There's no sort of counter to Biden right now in terms of a Speaker of the House. And I think it just certainly amplifies the problematic nature of where we are now, which was something that I I, I firmly believe Matt Gates would not have called the chair if this was going on at the time. 
I don't know that for sure, but I really genuinely believe that. But the fact of the matter is inconvenient timing for those who don't want to reward the Matt Gates of the world. But the fact of the matter is things are just a bit more problematic now than they were at the time regarding a need for a speaker. I suppose that somebody could point to both of the groups of Republicans, the Gates crew, and we'll call him the Buck crew. The, he seems to be one that's speaking the most vocally against Jim Jordan. It's Ken Buck of Colorado. And say, well, they're both acting foolishly. Why can't they just all get along? And, and listen, I, I get that. I understand that frustration. But I do think it is a disservice to lump them together to view the Gates Republican crew and the Buck Republican crew as one and the same. Because my assessment of this is the Gates crew, agree with them or not, had job performance reasons why they said McCarthy should not be in that position, whereas the Buck folks overwhelmingly seem to not be driven by a job performance concern of Jim Jordan, but they're just pissed off and they're mad and they don't want to, quote, reward Matt Gates and his crew. That's a difference. Springfield's Talk 1041. I'm Nick Reed. Oh, coming up, incidentally, do you, here's a fun little fun fact. There is a, we'll call it a nuclear option, in which in reality, there is a way Jim Jordan can get the speakership position without getting a majority of votes. This is true. I'll share that next. Supposed to be another vote today. Jim Jordan, what at one point appeared to be a scenario where Jim Jordan had momentum on his side. There were a number of Republicans that said, nope, not supporting him. Uh, the vote yesterday, there was talk about revoting yesterday. It's got moved to today. There are <clears throat> strategic, I would say. It's not without reason leaks that are saying this is a Scalise issue. Scalise is trying to undermine this thing sort of a sour grapes presentation of sorts. And this obviously is done in hopes of, of his constituents pressuring him to be more supportive and to get these other people together that are not supporting Jordan. Fox News has an interesting piece, and I thought I'd share this with you. Jordan could become speaker without House majority with risky gambit last used before Civil War. House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan, Republican Ohio, faces an unclear path to the speakership after securing the GOP nomination. In the chaotic fight to replace recently House Speaker McCarthy, Jordan has been making calls to shore up support for his bid in the House after Scalise, the initial nominee, bowed out due to a lack of support in the divided Republican caucus. However, Jordan does not necessarily need to get the required House majority to take the gavel. The House has elected a speaker a few times in history on a plurality rather than an outright majority. Now, plurality, I know many of you know what that means, but there are some that may not. 
it means the most votes as opposed to a majority of the votes. So the difference is a majority means you get half plus one. A plurality means if you've got four or five people that are running, you just need the most. It may not be 50%. If somebody has 45%, somebody has 12%, somebody has 3%. Even though you don't have 50, you have a plurality. And this is noting that there have been times in our history where it was not required to get a majority, which is what Jordan is facing. Here's why. The House is allowed to decide how the Speaker election is held. According to House practice. So changing the threshold is an option on the table. So often these rules are in place and we don't ask ourselves, who's in charge of the rules? Guess who's in charge of those rules? Congress is in charge of those rules. Fox News notes that there have been two plurality elections to decide the House speakership in American history. And you know why? Because they couldn't decide, because nobody could get a majority. The circumstances were different, but ultimately the reason was the same. No one of the candidates could get a majority of the vote, so they changed the rules so you didn't need a majority. They note in 1856, during the 34th Congress ahead of the Civil War, the House faced a fractured chamber after concessions and dividing lines over slavery had been burned in the sand. A fledgling Republican Party, a disseminated Democrat Party, the nativist American Know-Nothing Party, and a declining Whig Party could not decide on a top House lawmaker. I think it's interesting uh, that part of the problem was that at the time we were really operating functionally as more than a two-party system, and that is what largely caused this issue. <laughs> I just I note that because oftentimes people claim that the two-party system is the problem that we have, and I've always contended that that's not the pro- not that it isn't a problem, but it's not the problem. That aside. In that particular uh, speakership vote, when the voting began, 21 members received votes backing them for speaker on the first ballot. 21 members. There were 21. Threw the House into a deadlock that lasted two months. Amid the votes, American Party Rep Felix Zolkoffer of Tennessee introduced and passed a House resolution having the three top candidates for speaker to, quote, publicly state their opinions of Congress's recent action on the spread of slavery to the Western territories. Even after the questioning session, the House still could not decide on a speaker. The deadlock was broken when the House voted to reduce the threshold to elect the speaker from the traditional simple majority to a plurality election. After 133 votes... 130, how many votes did we bitch about earlier this year? It took five votes. Remember the Republican establishment melting down over the McCarthy? This is such an embarrassment. The entire world is watching us. People are going to remember this in the 2024 election as they vote for president. They're going to see the Republican Party. There were 133 votes in 1856. After 133 votes, Speaker Nathaniel Banks of the Know Nothing Party was elected as Speaker of the 34th Congress with 103 votes backing him. 
before then, during the 31st Congress in 1849. The House was without a Speaker for 19 days, with neither the Whigs and Democrats holding a House majority and the Free Soil Party splitting the votes further. The first ballot was a split one that did not yield a speaker, leading to several weeks of elections to determine the leader of the House. After 13 ballots, then-Rep. Andrew Johnson of Tennessee proposed a resolution to lower the speaker election threshold to a plurality, as well as an amendment to ballot the election. The resolution and amendment passed, and Georgia Democrat Representative Hal Cobb was elected speaker via plurality after 63 votes, three votes after the rule had been changed. Jordan, the House Judiciary Committee chairman, has made headway, flipping key no votes to support him, but there's still a real chance that his bid will be dashed on the House floor. Scalise faced a problem that Jordan is working to solve, getting the numbers up in a slim majority to propel him behind the gavel. Historically, there is precedent for a plurality speaker election, but the move is risky if the math does not add up. Any miscalculation of votes in a plurality election would run the risk of the GOP inadvertently handing the speakership to the Democrats should GOP members break from party. However, should the GOP need a nuclear option to choose a new speaker, historical president provide, precedent provides one. American Transmissions talk a text line. They're all leveraged to Democrats, either intentionally for strategic purposes or the rhinos, simply because Republicans narrowly hold uh, only the House at this point can do little without some, if not a lot of non-conservatives support. Uh, and if there is a nuclear option, these conservatives should have had that scheme ironed out long before ousting any Republican, like or not Nancy would. Um, you know, one of the things that this gets overlooked about Nancy Pelosi, and I've heard Democrats note that Nancy Pelosi didn't have these troubles. Nancy Pelosi changed the rules. The call of the chair rule that was portrayed as some extreme requirement by Gates and others for McCarthy to get the speakership in the first place where it only took one member of Congress to call for a vote. That was something that had been in place since the beginning of, since I think Thomas Jefferson. I, I mean, it was for, or, or uh, and uh, which, who was it? It was one, one of the, it's essentially from the very beginning. When Nancy Pelosi became speaker, she changed it to where it took a majority of the caucus. So she protected herself. So it wasn't, this isn't in direct response to that text message, but I, just in response to Democrats who claim that it is a testament to Nancy Pelosi's great leadership that she was able to prevent this sort of thing from happening to her. Well, she changed the rules. And, and, you know, some may argue that, um, you know, that, that that was the right thing to do, but it wasn't any great skill or leadership that prevented her from dealing with this sort of, of situation. I would also note that the, the crew of Republicans that ousted McCarthy, this is another difference between the two, they were accused of, you know, that they, they essentially were giving Democrats what they wanted. That look at that. What does it say about them that all the Democrats voted for them? In that scenario, the Democrats in Congress, they were silent observers until the vote came. They just sat back. Yes, they enjoyed it. But when it came time to vote, they voted the way that they were going to vote. That is different than what is occurring now, where these handful of Republicans have acknowledged they have been working behind closed doors, conspiring with Democrats 
about potentially coming up with someone that the Democrats are okay with. So if what Matt Gates and his crew did somehow was a betrayal to the Republican Party, and some argue they should be ousted from the Republican Party because they voted the same way Democrats did, at least they weren't conspiring with them in an effort to do it. News in 60 Seconds, I'm Nick Reed.